Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Viato Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with Viato, and my guest today is Mike Boyd, founder of iRecon. Mike, welcome to this episode. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure. Now, Mike, I've asked you to be here today because we're in an environment here. It's it's now midway through September 2020, um, where dealers are are. I think to some degree putting a little bit more emphasis on the way they appraise cars in in part because trade-ins are way more valuable now than the high-cost auction vehicles that we've seen over the spring and summer months. But I've come to understand that there's a part of the appraisal process that gets overlooked and could be considered a costly inefficiency for dealers. And it has to go, it has to deal with the reconditioning estimates. And I guess maybe as a point of starting this conversation, Mike, how big of a problem is that from what you're seeing? Um, It's prevalent across the board. Uh, And what I mean by prevalent is really, I I generally do not go into a dealership or a dealership's account and not see a lot of opportunity where they're really not honing in on what their true cost of doing business is, which is really when you're appraising, Mm -hmm. you're saying, hey, this product in its condition with a certain amount of valuable reconditioning, what I mean by valuable is we actually need to do this to get it frontline ready, using those two numbers, subtracting that from the retail value, that's our money-making model. But under observation, Dealers just traditionally have not paid enough attention to what that process is and what are those different metrics they need to control. So when you're looking at a dealership account, what are the signs that might suggest there's an opportunity, as you described it, or what maybe a dealer might regard more as a, as a problem that needs to be fixed? So, of course, you have looked the book, right? How many times did an appraiser appraise a vehicle versus how many times did they actually successfully win? Yep. And then, of course, you know, you want to look at auction versus um, whether it's a new car or used car trade. But across the board, look the book is a great metric to give you an idea of your success rate. So you want to look at both your store success rate and you want to look at a trending line. You know, how are we following the market and seasonality? Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's going to affect that. But then I always go deeper because I want to look at actually the people who are doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, let's find out what their credentials are and then let's actually go into some of those appraisals. Um, Something I see that's pretty prevalent is the standardized um, average reconditioning cost. So when they first set up their account and they go in there and say, hey, you know, on average, I know we spent about fifteen hundred dollars from the time we take a vehicle in, regardless of where we get it from, and to the time that it hits frontline ready, we spend $1,500, and then they never adjust anything, which completely throws off all of those measurements we use to come up with a true value, a true wholesale value and a true retail value. So I want to see when I go into appraisals, I want to see the at-bats. That's why actually when I when I wrote that blog, I mentioned sabermetrics. I want to see the in-play action. You know, are they are they putting custom notes? That's a big one. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see that if Lance appraised a car, he is saying normal used car inspection needs two front tires, rear bumper will touch up, and needs dent repair. So I want to see custom notes. 
you know, paint me a picture. Mm -hmm. Then I also want to look at the reconditioning spend. What is Lance actually estimating and saying it's going to cost to get that car frontline ready? And why that's so important is because I need to be able to measure back against it. You know, because a couple things we see is you have the appraiser who is on the game. You know, Lance appraises the vehicle, good custom notes, lots of photos. You know, pictures worth a thousand words. I think it's worth more than a thousand dollars. Lots of photos that paint that issue. So that way there's clarity into what needs done. Mm -hmm. And then he's saying, hey, it's going to cost $1,250 to do these seven specific items that I say need to be done to get this car to meet our requirements for retail ready. Mm-hmm. That is, I generally see that appraiser at a much higher look to book, much higher success rate. The flip side is where I go in and I look at an appraiser and I see that they have very few notes, if any, or mm. poor notes, okay. very few photos or images. So in essence, I always get the feeling and I just take the idea that they're trying to cover their tracks or they just have not had the training or somebody spell out to them the benefit of being able to review that data later to get better. Because they're not going to get better if you can't see what you've done or how you came about something, you can't improve it. And almost invariably, their look to book is substantially less. They're not winning as often. Yeah, yeah. They're winging it. They're winging it. Or, again, that same uh, persona, that person, is also leaving that standardized $1,500, we'll say, for this conversation, as every car. Whether it's a $1,000 car they're appraising, I see that $1,500 that's just standard, static. And then I see them look at a $50,000 car and it's $1,500. I'm like, okay, so that's useless. Right. And I, I, I can't backtrack. I can't correct what I can't see, you know, the dealership has to be able to go in there and say, Hey, Lance, you did a really good job. Um, but what I see is that when you estimate bumper repair, you know, that's really a $350 bumper repair at our store. And you put in a thousand dollars. That's all bad. That's absolutely going to cut down on your win. Let me, let me um, go back to something. Cause, cause you're, you triggered a memory here, Mike of, and I, I'm, I'm going to scroll the calendar back mm, 15 years, maybe. Um, because I feel like that's a, that's about when the idea of efficiency, you know, moving, moving cars, like dealers became, came to understand that you really do need to, to make sure your recon process is turn your money. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I also remember, and I wrote about this, uh, in my newsletter days, you know, that, that there was efficiency and efficacy by coming up with a realistic standardized number rather than taking the time to drill into it, as you said, in that, that first, uh, example of the appraiser who's, who does it right. So have we kind of come to a point where, in fact, that estimate is causing more problems now? So yes and no. Okay. So and because there's a reason why there's a yes and no. I think that you absolutely need to standardize anything you can standardize. There's benefit. So if I have a newer appraiser, somebody a little bit more green, Mm -hmm. I need to help them get on the ball to really start to understand the true cost to do business at my store. What I always say is, what is your true C2DB? What's your true cost to do business at your dealership? Mm -hmm. So having 
the ability to look at this is our average service, this is our average detail, those things, that's different from having just a flat $1,500. And what I mean is like, so like I talked to a dealer today and I was walking him through that we can actually embed in your Viato and also so it pulls up in your provision app um, line items, custom reconditioning items. So if you say, you know, this car is an average car that I'm going to use car inspect, I'm not going to CPO it, mm-hmm. then what's your average used car inspection? $700. Okay, great. Let's put that in there. And then what's your cost to do a detail? $125. Let's put that in there. And by embedding those, I can take a standard, you know, a person who hasn't got a lot of time, quote unquote, in country appraising and say, hey, when you walk around this car, I need to know what your game plan was. What was your exit strategy? Are you going to CPO it? Because I'm giving you a checkbook, you better be able to answer that question. So they can literally pull out the app or sit their desktop and say, CPO, and I know my average cost is $900 to CPO car. I'm going to do a detail that's $125. And just by clicking those buttons, that will formulate that total average at the bottom. That we can train to and enhance and get better. The other side to that is the more advanced the appraiser is, the more I still want them to do the, you know, hit those buttons, but yeah. I want them to adjust the button because I'm going to go back and measure and we'll say it's you, Lance, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, I'm more concerned with the cars I didn't win on than the ones I won. Because the ones you win, you don't learn as much. Hmm. The ones you lost on, I'm going to go back and say, hey, you tell me how you came about this number. I see your photos. I see your notes. How did you come up with this number? Okay, we need to trim this up. We need to trim this back. But we're also going to look at those cars we won, and I need to be able to measure back for a variance. Right. If Lance, on average, misses his estimation by $800, so from what you said it would cost to get a car frontline ready to what the final account balance was on that car after it's fully frontline ready, if you're missing on average $800, Lance, you're missing deals. You are not taking new car trades in at the rate you should. You are not taking used car trades, and you're spinning your wheels at the auction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, if you can trim that down to, say, 300 variants, because you have ups and downs, right? That's fine. There's always going to be outliers. But if we could trim that down $500, in essence, you just gave yourself an extra $500 to spend at the auction versus your competition right. or to put in that new car or used car trade to be that much more successful. And we know you will be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. That can really swing the outcome. So you need both, but you need to measure. Well, and I'd like to, to, to dive in on both sides of that uh, equation you just uh, mentioned, Mike. So from the perspective of the recon cost in the cars you didn't win, so let's say that I, I, I'm the dealer, I have a look to book of 50%. That means if, um, and, and let's say I'm the appraiser, okay, too. Um, so mm-hmm. five of my cars, I didn't win. To what degree is that recon estimate the reason I didn't win versus some of the other factors that, you know, maybe my breath smelled bad or, you know, whatever the case might be sure. that turned me away. Sure. But what have you found? Yeah, there? There's going to be variables. Yeah. Um, so going back, so remember, generally we always concentrate on our success, 
you know, how many cars do we sell? Mm-hmm. How many cars do we take in? Yep. I generally don't hear dealers saying, well, how many didn't we? And the fact is, usually it's weighted more to what we didn't win than what we did win. So there's generally more cars that we didn't successfully take in. You said 50%, but generally we see in the 40s, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But if we look at those cars you didn't win, we should have um, you know, your trusted people, the people you work with, the other appraisers, managers, and we should look at that and say, okay, guys or gals, let's look at what Lance did on this appraisal. We did not get this deal. Mm-hmm. So on this car, do we all agree based off these notes and these uh, these appraisal photos and his estimation, was he on the ball? You're not going to win all the time. But what I usually find when you have that meeting, you know, it's almost like a save-a-deal meeting. Yeah. It's, it's literally a save-a-deal meeting because you're going to be able to put some deals together. And what you'll find is if you have the right people in that meeting, they're going to say, well, no, that bumper, you said $700. I got a guy. We can get that done for 250 There's my learning. Okay, well, that's $500 right there. Yeah. That's $500. Okay, what about this? I, you know, I just used our average CPO for $900 because that was standard. The car has 25,000 miles. Yeah. I bet you anything that car is going to be more like a $600. So there's a couple hundred dollars. So what I would do from that is one, I'm helping train Lance yep. and I'm getting everybody on the same page because the reality is if you're all writing checks from the same checkbook and you're all working for the same dealer, then we need to be as tight in our processes. So that way we reinforce good behavior, not allow bad but at the end of that meeting, you absolutely should be able to walk out there and say, hey, I just found $500 more. Can we resurrect that deal? Because the reality is we need the inventory. We need the new car deals. We need the used car deals. But we need the inventory, too. Yeah. We yeah. should be hitting them to get them. And the other the other uh, takeaway from that, if it's me, is I'm going to realize that there's – some nuance to my bumper replacement estimate, you know, and, and I'll be more realistic, which going back to the point right. you made about including those average values kind of on a line item per job type basis that that can help the accuracy. But now let's let's look at the other side of that equation there, Mike. So let's let's look at the ones we did win. And I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. as you've analyzed those compared what the estimate was to the actual cost across America. Absolutely. Across America, what's the average miss? So I haven't gone all the way across America, so I'm in different spots across America because okay. we keep diving deeper into it. Because as I keep pulling up different stores and I start off looking at individual stores and then what are the variances with a five store group, seven store group, and then what's the variance on a larger store group. So because the data keeps pushing us further and saying there's a lot more meat here. Mm. And every dealer I talk to is like, yes, you know, please, because nobody's stealing a car at the auction and we're under inventory constraints. So the last thing we can afford to do is to miss out on a trade-in. Right. And if we are going to buy the auction, I don't want my appraisers or my auction purchasers spinning their wheels. We need to have a high success rate. Mm-hmm. So every dollar we can find that, and that's the thing, it's, that money's already there. It's just that we allocated it wrong. We thought it would take $1,500 when really it takes $1,000. Yeah. Well, you just cost yourself a $500 amount that you could have spent extra and still met all your parameters. So you, you just hurt yourself. You gave yourself a disadvantage at the auction. But when I look overall at the average mm-hmm. um, of how much we're missing, 
first estimation. I usually see somewhere around 600. Okay. Okay. Um, the ones that I really concentrate on, it seems to be like there's a, a large blip or disparity between when I pop into a store, I can look at the data of how many appraisals are being done by who, how many do notes, how many do um, custom comments, like, you know, in pictures. Yep. And I see a huge difference in the swing and look to book. So we know that directly affects it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I can tell you generally somebody's level of experience based off that same data. And what I find is that when I see those bigger variances, a lot of times it's inexperience and it's the appraiser appraising to justify their appraisal. Now it's very important to understand that. They're appraising to justify their appraisal. They're not appraising the car for what it's truly worth or what they should put into it. And what I mean by that to clarify is if I know I can get that bumper repaired for $350, I should line item it for $350. Mm-hmm. And everybody should be able to see that it's going to take $350. And we measure it back against. If I'm appraising, we'll just say a new car, uh, and I'm appraising it, and I know that they have no idea how to estimate, I put $1,000 in there which is still $500 better than what the customer said their retail estimate at the body shop was. Mm -hmm. So remember, I know that my true cost is 350. The customer already stated, yeah, I'm gonna trade it in because you know I don't wanna spend the $1,500 to get the bumper done. And I say, you know what, I can get that done for a thousand. I falsely deflated the ACV, the actual cash value, what I'm gonna praise that car for, thinking that, hey, they'll go get the deal and I'm gonna be sitting in the car more right you know, under the money. Mm-hmm. But that's a very short-sighted thought because you hit them for what they're worth. I always say, and I would always try to people, you hit them to get them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we make a heck of a lot more money having taken a car in trade and then having a car to sell than we would ever win by getting less cars in at under the book value. Well, what about in, in that example, Mike, I guess I'm curious if... If in fact you know you, you got the deal done for a thousand, you, you said that that's what it would cost to the customer, knowing full well that your cost is closer to three hundred. So you got six hundred fifty bucks there. What if I went back and then just adjusted my cost to market to reflect that that six hundred bucks is really in my favor? Um, I mean, I realize that you're kind of overlooking the whole point of transparency uh, and honesty with the customer. Um, but I, I suppose that's the step that's missed. That's why the 650 just kind of disappears. Well, really, we're not talking about honesty to the customer. And here's why. The customer, I'm, when I appraise a car, I'm not appraising a car to, to put a deal together. I'm appraising a car to put an actual value on what it is worth to my store, what I can afford to pay for that car to do the reconditioning to be able to retail the car. Mm-hmm. You have to have a couple, completely different mindset. You need to be detached, right? Mm-hmm. Detached appraising. I cannot control what the person who's going to be desking that deal is showing the consumer. But what I do know is if they had that extra amount, how many more deals would we put together? How many deals did we lose because I gave them 10,000 on the appraisal versus it truly being at 10,5. The numbers don't lie. The more you pay, the more successful you're gonna be. Mm-hmm. Now, whether the new car dealer or the used car dealer, when they get that appraisal back, 
whether they hold back, I mean, let's be real. If, if, if I give them $10,000 and I under allow and show them 95 just because of the way I'm working the deal, I just need to make sure that the desk manager and my store knows that you have 10. I see. Don't lose that car, right? Yeah. You have 10. Whereas if I go under, that's traditionally what we've done. We get so caught up, and especially new appraisers. We're not talking veterans who have been around the block. You know, newer appraisers or short-sighted managers and appraisers who go, yeah, you know, I, if I can get in that car at $500, you know, lower, then that just allows me to make sure that I can hit the market right. Mm-hmm. That's covering up a bigger issue. And then usually the bigger issue is you don't have control of your reconditioning. You don't have control of your spend of your true cost to do business. Mm-hmm. So you see how one bad one bad process helps cover up the issues in another bad process. Whereas if you uncover it and actually hold people accountable and say, let's really understand what we're doing so we can all work together and be successful, then we can say, hey, I could only put $10,000 in that car because I know it's going to take me 10 days to get this done and I'm going to have to spend $1,300 in service when I don't think I should. I need that light bulb to go off with my team and go, well, oh my gosh, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't take that long. And I can understand how that puts pressure on you and you can only afford to pay 10. So if we can help shorten up that time and actually really hone in on what your expenses are, you could put that extra $500 in that car and take in more trades and be more successful at auction, which means we could sell more cars, get more retail customers, recondition more cars, and the great circle of life keeps going. Indeed, That's the aha. And it all starts at the appraisal. I, I'm, I'm tracking. I have, I have one last uh, area of inquiry here, Mike. And, and to your point of, of making sure of, of really the first point, I think, is you got to understand what your variance is uh, between what you estimate in the appraisal and, and what actually happens in the shop. What's the your best recommendation for the process there? Is that the used vehicle manager, you know, pulling all the ROs and cross-checking against appraisals? Or how, how do we do that as dealers? So we're actually, you know, obviously I always say, you know, I love being part of the auto. Um, so we're working on reporting right now, what actually, which actually shows, hey, because you obviously the dealers are using the auto to appraise their vehicles and also auction purchases. And if they put the information in there, mm-hmm. then we can pull and say, here's your variance by individual appraiser. Because when somebody appraises, it's off their login. Ah. Um, also in iRecon, when you go in there and you set a reconditioning plan, you can actually embed because you're going. We're going to first. We're going to pull over all of your appraisal notes, custom reconditioning items, photos, everything. Who appraised it? How much was appraised for that full set of information? Because mm-hmm. that information is what you're going to use to set the reconditioning plan. What I don't need is Lance appraising the car, and then Mike Boyd going to set the plan and having to go back out and reappraise the car with a completely different perspective. So I'm going to use that information, and if Lance did his job and documented everything and did everything like he's supposed to, like a person who you've authorized to write a check is supposed to do, then I can go ahead and set the plan, and I can put the amounts in there that I expect to spend, and the iRecon system will actually measure back both on how long should it take based off of these tasks you've assigned, because you set the thresholds, but also how much did you expect to spend versus the final dollar spend. Right, right. So it adds clarity across the board. And we can tighten that up, 
and get more successful. Because I always look at it, you know, if, if you're 40% look to book, that means you lost 60% of the time. Right. Again, I concentrate on the 60%. How can we shore that up? How can we get more at-bats and wins? Well, and, and certainly if the average variance runs about 600 bucks, there's probably a, a decent chunk of that 60% you could have won, you know, because you are you were a couple of hundred bucks. Make sure we understand, Lance, and this is where the data, it's all about deciphering the data. If you look at an average of $600, but you have two appraisers, one only misses by 300, one misses by 1,000. How many did that guy appraise that is missing by a thousand, right? So the yeah. average can kind of throw you off sometimes. That's kind of like if you look at your store's average look to book and you go, okay, we're good. Yeah. But then if you actually dive into it and say, no, we're not, we have a stud, a star who is way above average, really honed in on their job, but the other person is so not honed in that they're dragging down the average, but overall the average is acceptable. That's a good point. It's about how you go into the data. Yep. So that's what I'm doing when I talk to dealers is like, look, we talk about the quality of the car. We talk about how we do business. How about the people who are doing our business? How are they doing? Are we, and, and again, I can't stress this enough. Most times, it's just education. It's taking that appraiser who has had to learn on the job how to do the job and saying, hey, let's look at how you're doing it and let's work together to tighten it and maybe learn some best practices. Let's see what our other successful stores are doing. Let's, let's leverage our performance managers on those stores that are being more successful or who are doing tighter appraisals. That's how the store really wins. I, I'm with you. I, I'm curious. One last thing here before we go. So if, if let, let's just use that $600, you know, like, like say on average, maybe that's the gap that, that you might see if, if, if you really take a deep look at what's going on between, you know, what's estimated in the appraisal for recon and what actually gets done. But I think you mentioned earlier in our conversation, Mike, that maybe you can get that 600 down to 300, you know, the average variance. And I'm, how long does that take if somebody's doing the kinds of coaching and conversation that you just described? How fast can a dealer get this thing right? Surprisingly, it is extremely fast. Usually, well, rarely do I come across an appraiser who I'm talking to. And remember, I'm a licensed auctioneer and appraiser, mm -hmm. right? So I have a little bit different background and, you know, working at dealerships 25 years. When I talk to somebody, I say, hey, explain to me what the thought process here. It's like a light bulb goes off and they go, oh, because it's so easy to be short-sighted. So very quickly, we can figure out and work with that appraiser and say, hey, Here's where you're missing the boat. Here's why you should do this. And did you know, because there's usually a big disconnect, and that's why iRecon is here to connect, is a lot of times the appraisers aren't necessarily the people who are setting the reconditioning plans and getting the work done. So they do not always have clarity into what it truly costs to get something done. Mm-hmm. So in their experience as an appraiser, it was a $1,000 bumper repair. But at the store level, the people who handle reconditioning who interact with these body shops all day, and I'm just using body shop for an example, they're like, no, it's 350 all day. So again, by going in, looking at the data, looking at the wins, looking at the losses, looking at how we came about our numbers collectively as a team and then measuring that, awareness rises and we start putting everybody on the same ball. And, it's, and here's the great ancillary, there's so many ancillary effects, but another great ancillary effect is you'll have less rubbing, 
less people complaining that they're overspending or underspending when everybody is saying, no, that's just what it costs. Mm. Or everybody's going to get together and say, it shouldn't cost that. Let's find another avenue. Again, it's a win because at the end of the day, we're here to sell cars. We recondition cars to sell cars. We take cars and trade to sell cars. And if we do our job correctly, we make money doing that. Good but the, the, the market's changing. We have to go deeper. It's tightening. We have to look at our internal processes. And appraisal, again, everything starts at the appraisal. Nobody gets in trouble until you have a car. That's a good point. Well, Mike, thank you very much for your perspective. I think from what we've talked about, it, it may be the case that some dealers can go back and actually find a little more room to buy cars they might have walked away from because there's greater reconditioning estimate accuracy. We appreciate you joining us today, Mike. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Lance. I always enjoy it. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining this edition of the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time, stay well.